Hello, my friends. Welcome to an episode of the REP podcast. I'm your host, Ariana, and today's episode is going to be a doozy. We're going to speak a little bit about what it means to be defragmented and in specific to generational trauma or intergenerational trauma. So buckle up, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and settle on in. Hello, my friends, it's Ariana Pina here, and this is my show, The Ari P Podcast. I mentor people from all over the world, guiding them energetically and emotionally to create lives that they're in love with. I love blending Eastern and Western practices, methodologies, and teachings to holistically bring together two halves of the whole because. We aren't one without the other, we're both. And as such, it's really important that we honor, respect, and tend to both sides equally. In this time together, we'll cover all things physical, emotional, energetic, and spiritual health to bring light onto subjects that could do with a little reframing and support in areas that could do with a little, well, zhuzhing. I'm mostly interested in the art of active surrender, and I'm deeply fascinated with the many facets of human behavior and how one affects the whole. Join me as we explore the many aspects of holographic living, animism, and what it means to truly live in joy. Let's get into it. I want to start this episode by speaking a bit to neuroscience. Now, according to neuroscience, uh, which is, for those of you who don't know, it's a multidisciplinary science that's concerned with the study of the structure and the function of the nervous system. So it doesn't only examine the structure and the function of the human brain, but also the the nervous system as well. And so by knowing this, when we start to look at neuroscience and the studies that are involved in neuroscience, what we've come to understand over the last few years is that events that have happened to our ancestors generations ago can continue to shape our experience in the present. According to the Zuckerman Institute at the Columbia University in the city of New York, Neuroscience has made remarkable discoveries about ways in which our brains and our bodies can be affected by traumatic experiences of our parents. So we know that children born to survivors of cataclysmic events are themselves more susceptible to stress and at a greater risk of mental illnesses like PTSD, despite never having experienced the trauma themselves. This is insane, right? Epigenetics, the in utero environment, early experiences, and the parent-child relationship all play a role. These discoveries have spurred a compelling field of research into intergenerational trauma, revealing a complexity of biological and psychological interactions determining risk or resilience. And this specific episode speaks to this field of study. Generational trauma, which is also called intergenerational trauma and transgenerational trauma, is passed down through generations in families through genetic changes to a person's DNA after they experience the trauma. 
So you as yourself now experiences a trauma, it changes your chemistry, your DNA. And when you have a child, that DNA is transferred from you, your body into the child. Wild. Now, I don't mean to get so heavy within the first few minutes of this podcast, but it's a reality that's often overlooked when going down a path of self-discovery. The thing is that when you go into personal development or spiritual evolutionary work, it's never really just about you. And I find that this is a big missing piece in the personal development world lately. The thing is that if you want to create this life, right, where you have peace, tranquility, harmony, then there are a few things you're going to have to work through on your way there. And it's not just about you working through your own traumas or your own behavioral patterns. It's also about looking back in your lineage to see if there are any generational traumas or patterns that have become your way of being that you may need to address or at least just look at, acknowledge so that you can move through them. If you want to live in a field of transformational grace, primed for growth, you're not only going to have to let go of your own negative thought patterns, your self-sabotaging beliefs, and your unhealthy habits, you're also going to have to reconcile where you've come from, not because you're trying to live in the past, but more as an opportunity to understand the reasons you do the things you do. And quite often, the things that you do are subconscious and unconscious. It's not really about only analyzing the things you do when you're on top of the world when you've got everything going for you. It's about what happens when things go wrong. What are the patterns and behavior traits that you default to when things don't go according to plan? So it's within these reasons, even if we don't fully understand them, even if we don't understand the default patterns, we often compartmentalize ourselves in a way that has us often disassociated, perhaps even living split lives. For an example, and I'm going to give you two here, very surface level examples that could be dug deeper and we could have full on two hour conversations about them. But for now, let's keep it super simple. Firstly, let's say you're a certain way at work. You present certain personality traits at work and then you come home and you change your default behavior. And then you go out and you spend time at your yoga studio and you become a different way with the people at the studio. And then you go out with your social friends on the weekend and you show up in a completely different way, a completely different version of yourself. This is what you would say is the manifestation of fragmented parts of you, of yourself. And they often work in opposition because you have to consciously decide who you're going to be. And then In some situations and scenarios, you have to psych yourself up to show up as the version who that particular group know you as. And I'm not talking about harnessing certain traits to quote unquote, get the job done. No, this is more of a deeper unconscious state change. Like you are putting on different personality uniforms. Once you learn how to defragment, which is to say that you bring all parts of you to the center of your experience, you show up as the same person in all areas of your life, then the playing field gets evened out and you start to level the you who then exists in all parts of your life. You capish? 
And this is where you start to feel the true effects of power with a capital P. So all parts of you are unified then to work in unison. They're ticking along, they're passing the baton onto one another for various parts of your life. And this is where I see clients really thriving in their lives because they don't feel like they have to be a different person. That's not to say they don't harness different traits or skills in different areas of their lives. For example, someone would need to show up at work, perhaps a little bit more organized, a little bit more structured, and in their social lives, maybe they are a little bit more relaxed, but they're not changing their behavior and their personality traits so much that they are unrecognizable to the different groups of people that they're with. So it changes the narrative from different parts of you or different yous different versions of you showing up to create these personas to you showing up in different parts of your life to work towards a common goal or objective, which in this case could be, I want to live a peaceful life, a happy life, a life where I'm free and fanciful and spontaneous, but I want to be that one person through all different parts of my life. Let's put this into perspective again. You say that you want a life that's peaceful and dramaless, one that's structured and well-rounded, doing what you love and earning good money for it, and then spending time with the family, etc. But your subconscious mind is programmed to push and hustle and keep going because you're a product of an immigrant family, let's say, through the Great Depression, who always had to work very hard to make ends meet, always fearing that the money was going to run out and that you needed to be ready for when the next catastrophe hit. So your now self wants to be rested and calm and enjoy the fruits of the life you've created or are creating. And yet there are fibers in your being that are constantly firing off warning signals that it's not safe to rest. Can you see the conflict therein? Here's another example. Final one, promise. Let's say, and I don't know who this is, but let's just say (laughs) your deepest desire is to move to the country to grow a veggie patch, build a thriving coaching business, all the whilst lounging on the sunny back porch of your beautiful and spacious new home. Your DNA has been programmed to chase success, in inverted commas, in a patriarchal way that has you thinking of success equal to your title or even your money in the bank. And whilst you're aiming to create a financially successful business, your desire to fit the mold of the patriarchy which they have inadvertently set for you through programming, whether it be your own programming or through your lineage, has you sitting at a desk between nine and five, dressed in a suit and taking meetings, seeing clients after hours, because you've been taught and programmed that nothing comes to those who rest. So the fact that you're able to create a life you want on your terms hasn't even crossed your mind because you've been told time and time again that the only way to build a business is to grind and hustle until you make it. So your consciousness, your awareness is so tunnel visioned that you haven't zoomed out, expanded your consciousness to see all of the possibilities available to you because all you're doing is running on a program. 
So there's one part of you that's desiring to rest and create in a way that feels fulfilling and trusting of the fact that your business will be a success if you work within the rhythms and the cycles of your body and your energy. And then there are other parts of you beating to the drum of something that you were told and instructed not only within your youth, but perhaps even drummed into your folks and their folks for the last hundred years. Scared to rest? Pushing for those numbers so that you can retire early. Do you see yourself in any of these examples? Do you see yourself in any of these examples? (laughs) Now, these examples are only mere scratches on the surface of what I'm trying to paint a picture of here. And whilst most spiritual new age folks will tell you to meditate and journal and all will come right, I'm here to say, yes, that and a whole bunch of nervous system regulation, somatic movement therapy and neuro change to go with it, please. It takes more than only a meditation practice to create a life of ease, plenty and purpose. It takes you, all of you, ticking along smoothly. And when I talk about you, all parts of you, I'm predominantly referring to the four parts of you, your emotional self, your physical self, your mental self, and your spiritual self. So let's talk about the ways in which we could create lasting change in the body, the mind, the heart, and the spirit. Firstly, let's look at the mind. Let's look at the way your mind functions. And in particular, one of the most effective methods that I have found is neurolinguistics. In particular, neurolinguistic programming. You may have heard of it before. Its acronym is NLP, and it's a psychological approach that involves analyzing strategies used by successful individuals and applying them to reach a personal goal. Now, it relates to thoughts and language and patterns of behavior learned through experience to specific outcomes, and it tries to detect and modify unconscious biases or limitations of an individual's map of the world. So it operates through the conscious use of language to bring about changes in someone's thoughts and behaviors. It's an approach to communication and personal development that focuses on how we, as individuals, can organize our thinking and our feelings and our language. And I have found it really useful to assess and treat a variety of things and have known it to also be used in a clinical sense to treat depression, anxiety, and stress. Now, of course, this can be used in those contexts as well. But I suppose the most Uh, intriguing part of NLP for me is the practice of understanding how people organize their thinking and language and how that in effect affects behavior. So uh, about three or four years ago, I did this program called cognitive behavioral therapy, and it was not a coaching certification, but it was a skill certification, which helped me understand CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy to incorporate it, incorporate it as a part of my coaching practice. Now, whilst CBT is focused on managing problems by changing how we think and behave, NLP has techniques that help you to change the way you think and behave and understand what beliefs drive the behavior. 
And then also it helps you to develop tools to work at a deeper level to bring about these behavioral and cognitive changes for yourself and the world around you. Then we move on to the second part, which is all about your energy body and all your spirit, the energy field that exists within you and all around you. And perhaps you'd look at contracting a Reiki master practitioner, a teacher, a coach, a mentor that works with energy medicine. Now, Reiki in particular is a Japanese form of energy healing. It's a type of alternative medicine where practitioners use healing methods that are said to come through the palms. They're also called hands-on healing modalities through which universal energy is said to be transferred through the palms of the practitioner to the patient or the client in order to encourage emotional or physical healing. Now, this can be done in distant or in person. And one of the things that I found in my own practice of working with clients for the last decade is that Reiki in itself promotes relaxation, (laughs) relaxation, stress reduction. It helps with anxiety. And it also helps to deliver energy to the body of the patient or client, which will improve the flow and balance of their energy to support healing. Now, Reiki in itself doesn't heal, it supports healing. It aims to release blockages and enable a person's energy to dissipate. This is like the process of releasing energy to help reduce past emotional trauma. So you may see a holistic and complementary therapist, an energy medicine practitioner, a holistic therapist, in itself, which is also sometimes referred to as holistic psychotherapist or body-centered psychotherapist. And um, they'd be able to work with you to bring about an integrative type of therapy that incorporates both traditional and non-traditional healing treatments to help you as the patient or the client as a whole. Now, the difference between complementary and alternative therapies is that alternative therapies refer or imply to the fact that it's this or that. It's this type of therapy, it's Western science or Eastern methodologies. And whilst complementary refers to both, it means that the therapies can be done together and or very close to one another. So it's not needing to choose the difference It's not about needing to choose between the two modalities. It's about using them both to their capacity to support the client or the patient. Then we move to the physical body. We use yoga practices, which include breath work and also health coaching to support a client to feel good in their body. Now, from a yoga perspective, we will use things like asana, which is the postures. You would practice asana that open up the heart space perhaps and encourage a combination of trust and courage and softness. And during this practice, we begin to unravel muscular tension that can often release associated emotions that may be bound up in the muscular tissue. Your yoga practice strengthens your physical body, your mental and your emotional body, and then it also increases your capacity to process difficult difficult emotions and past traumas. 
You may then lean on pranayama practice, which is breathwork practice. Now, this has been westernized a lot. So pranayama referring to the traditional yogic ways of learning breathwork. Whereas in Western society, we've started to include a lot of breathwork practices. In fact, the HeartMath Institute in the US is a nonprofit organization dedicated to enhancing people's lives through an awareness of how powerful the energy of the heart is. Now they recommend practicing heart-focused breathing, which is a technique that involves directing energy towards the heart whilst breathing slowly and deeply, right? And so whilst we can look at this Eastern versus Western approach, my suggestion is always going to be to combine them, to take the best of both of those worlds, the things that resonate with you the most, and use that in your own practice to feel whole and healthy and wise and vivacious so that you can go out in the world and do what it is that you're here to do. Other parts of the yoga practice can include mudra, which are hand gestures, They can help you to have more control of your mind, your emotions. They create this fine balance in your energy system that help you stay aligned and positive. And you can also then incorporate mantra as well, which is a a chanting practice from the yogic perspective that releases positive energy that, that will calm the mind and the soul. There are many scientific studies that have found that chanting mantras like OM for 10 minutes or less can decrease anxiety and depressive symptoms in the human body. And then of course, we can't forget the fact that we are physical beings in a physical body and that each one of us is so incredibly different. We eat different foods, they agree with us differently, we feel differently, we have different sleeping patterns, we have different emotional reactions to things which ultimately change our physiology. And somewhere along the line, someone told us all as a species, the things that we should be doing, the things that we should be eating, the way we should be moving, this newest fad you must try, you know? And don't get me wrong, like all of these things are really helpful and useful, but when you go down one path thinking that it's going to give you your utopia or send you on a path that's going to be healing when in actual fact it's not right for you, this is where things get a little bit out of hand. The way is, there is no the way, it's your way. And it's up to you uh, as someone who is responsible to reclaim your own health, take back your own power and figure out what is your way towards wellness, liberation and freedom. So there's one thing that I know to be true without a shadow of a doubt is that if you violate your inner knowing of what works for you because someone else told you what they think is best for you, even though it goes against your grain, then you will pay for it with your health whether that be in the physical realm, the emotional realm, the mental realm, or even the spiritual realm. We're lucky enough to be in the era of change. And even though everything is undergoing the chaos of metamorphosis, you, my friend, have the power to take control of your health and well-being in ways that have never been accessible before. This is the era of cultivating new systems and introducing new ways of preventative healthcare to our society, our environment, and our economical future. But it all starts with you. Your emotional health is dependent on the way that you feel 
physically. The way you feel physically will generate confidence. You'll develop a zest for life. You will look and feel good in your body and you will find a new sense of courage within that feel good. You'll have a calm spirit, a calm way of looking out on the world, which will increase your productivity and efficiency. And you'll have more creative energy than you've ever experienced before, which will bring on better focus and uh, so many other things that I can continue to riff on if I had another hour. My point is that too often when we go down the path of personal development or spiritual evolution, we forget about the physical body because we are taught that it's about transcending the human experience. You know, just think positive thoughts and things will get better or meditate or journal, as I said before, or work on your emotional body and things will work their way out. Well, yes, and the fact that you need to take care of this incredible temple that houses your spirit. Your physical body, your physical health is the foundation on which everything else is built in this lifetime. And that's not to say that other things are not important. They are. But without health, you have nothing. Without your health, you don't have the energy to work on your meditation practice or develop new neurochemistry or change behavioral patterns or work through transgenerational trauma. Without your physical health, you have nothing. So you want to connect with the spiritual energy. You want to be in a state of consciousness and mysticism without forgetting about your physical body, which means look at what you eat, look at what you consume, move your body, stretch, drink lots of water, get lots of sleep, take your supplements, all of these things that are really important that often get overlooked when you're down a path of personal development. And what I find the most perplexing, the things that I struggled with the most when I was starting on this work, was that they're often competing priorities. You know, do I work on my mental health first? Is it my emotional health? Do I need to go back in time and focus on all the things that happened in my youth? Or is it now about looking back to my parents? Or what is it that I need to be focused on? You think about it as a competition and it's not. Even when you're working on these parts in isolation, you're still affecting all the other parts as well. Even though it feels like you're working on different parts of yourself at one particular time, you're actually inadvertently working on all four parts of yourself. It's ludicrous to think that you can compartmentalize them in any way. But I suppose because of the Western model of medicine, you know, where you segregate body parts or systems or ailments and diseases, we have come to think that all four of these parts of ourselves are separate as well, but they're actually not. And so this, again, is not the or strategy. It's the and strategy. It's the physical body and the energy body and the mental body and the emotional body. Not or. It's about doing it all at the same time. And when you have these competing priorities, all you do is think about them, right? You ponder which course of action to take because you're trying to make the best decision, which part of you needs the most attention, which is the most important, what's the most appropriate way to move forward. And in actual fact, the forward momentum and inspired action taking will be the most natural and obvious thing to do. And I say obvious with tongue in cheek because sometimes you're in the middle of the muck and you can't see straight 
which is where a trained professional can really support you in honoring the natural rhythms of your own experience. So I'll take you through a little bit of an example here when I work with my clients. I, the first thing that I do, and, and the reason I'm explaining it here for you is that you may want to try this for yourself and see if it makes any sorts of change in your own life. When you're starting to feel overwhelmed or you're not really sure which part to look at first, create some space for yourself to find your own beat, your own heartbeat. Okay. And then this in turn is going to support you to lead in a way that inspires you instead of having someone else tell you what to do. So by creating space, which is to say, clear your calendar for a morning or just create space in your life that you can sit down with this open blank canvas, if you will, and settle into something that helps you to feel creative and whether that's a journaling practice uh, and maybe you're journaling to specific criteria, like you're asking yourself some very specific questions on what it is that's next for you. And then write down a list of all the things that you could be doing, all of the things that you have been thinking about that have been swirling around in your head, write all of that down and then be quiet and read all of those notes and feel into which notes, which actions, which tasks feel exciting for you. What feels like the easiest thing for you to do, the most effortless. And then take inspired action towards those things. We've been taught that it's about doing the most difficult things first. And whilst there is time in your life where you have to quote unquote, eat your frog, right? Do the difficult things first. When we're in a sense of being overwhelmed and stuck, not knowing which path to take, quite often the way to get out of that mentality, out of that energy, is to actually just do something that makes you feel really good. And this isn't about pushing and striving and accomplishing and achieving. It's actually about grounding and calming and showing up towards the things that you want to do with a lively zest for life where you show up inspired and capable because you're in the mode of building the vision. You're not strung out and stressed out and anxious. You're inspired because you trust that this is going to go in the way that you intend. Now, my beliefs and my ethos are inspired by the laws of energy medicine and the subtle realms and the creative powers of universal intelligence. And this may seem a little bit outside of us, right? It might seem like these things are separate from us. But again, if we were to zoom out, this whole podcast episode of the four parts of you being part of a whole, if we zoomed out, energy medicine, subtle realms, create, creative powers of universal intelligence, and then all four parts of you existing, you existing as a microcosm in the macrocosm, all exist as an end, they're all existing in this moment with a capital and, not all, and. And when you start to play with all these aspects of you, you naturally share in the laws of energy medicine and the subtle realms and the creative powers of universal intelligence. This is metaphysical practices in a practical and tangible way, bringing these metaphysical realities into your here now moment, your physical world. 
it's not something that's outside of you. It's something that's inside. And in this activity that I've just given to you, where you sit and be quiet and you journal out a list of all the things that you think you should be doing, or that you've been swirling around in your mind, and you feel into the things that make you feel the most excited, the things that inspire you the most, this is you going inside rather than searching outside of you. This is where you start to work with metaphysical practices. So here's a couple of questions that you may want to write at the top of an A4 page. You may want to take a few days to answer these questions, one question per day, or you probably, like me, would like to nut them out all in one day. My first question is, which of these, so, so what is it that I need to be doing, that I think I need to be doing in order to advance my career, my business, my life? You know, get really clear on what it is that's making you feel quote unquote stuck. And then the questions you ask yourself as you're scanning down that list are, number one, what of these things that are noted down on my page, what could I be doing right now that would leave me feeling better? Not great, not amazing, not accomplished, just better. What can I lean into that would light my soul? What energizes me? What leaves me feeling rich and abundant, not only financially, but emotionally and energetically? What of these tasks inspire me? What of these tasks or the things that are on this page would I do if, even if they didn't contribute to my quote unquote success? What would I do even if no one was watching? if it didn't mean that I was going to get better, more successful, etc. And then just note what comes up for you as you answer those questions and then go and embark on that project, bringing your head, your heart and your actions in alignment. So you're taking your knowledge and your information that you've gleaned from this journaling exercise. You're taking the things from your heart that are expiring and exciting to you and you're putting it into action. So you're moving your feet. And if there's any resistance that comes up for you, just note that down as an interesting idea and note that it's that interesting idea that's stopping you from doing the thing that makes you feel happy. And just examine that. Examine that impersonally. Look at it for what it actually is. Now, there's a shift that happens when you create space around your shadow. Undoubtedly, it's like you start to inspire yourself and you become really excited about the things that you're doing. And that just naturally not only creates harmony in your life, but it inspires others to do the same thing. And it seems counterintuitive. It seems counterintuitive in a culture that teaches you to do the thing that you don't feel like doing in order to achieve success. But your version of success is different from anybody else's and your pathway to success is most certainly very different to anyone else's. And so you have to counterintuitively lean closer in if that feels uncomfortable for you. You have to go inwards into the depths of yourself, even if this is something you've never tried before, give it a, give it a whirl, see how it goes, because your power lives within you. The answers that you need to move forward live within you. They would live within you. If you need to meditate before you do this process, please do. If you need to pray, do that too. 
And the moment you're willing to see your shadow, to see the parts of you that are unconscious, the unconscious parts that may be holding you back, keeping you hidden, keeping the real you hidden, the moment you're willing to see that and work with that is where you start to unleash your power in a way that's so incredibly moving. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to speak a little bit more about these aspects of self, the shadow aspects and and how we can truly move into ways of uh, creating with the shadow and using the shadow in a way that's so helpful and so useful. But for now, I really want you to settle into this practice, see if it works for you this week and let me know how you go with it. If you need any support with this, please reach out to me on social media. I'm at Ariana Pinna. And of course, if you need any professional help with this and you want some support in tying all these aspects of you into one beautiful offering, then please check out my website. I am qualified in all the things that I have mentioned to you today. So that means that instead of looking at different practitioners to help you with these different aspects of you, you come to me and I support you in all four of these areas so that it doesn't compartmentalize this process even further. It really does help you to integrate all these four parts and and many other parts of you into one version of your badass self. It has been my absolute pleasure recording this. I have been riffing. I really hope that it all makes sense. And I cannot wait to be with you, to see you, to hang out with you in the next episode and also to receive any comments or questions about this process that I've just taken you through. Until next time, bye for now. I'm working on something really exciting. I'll keep you informed once I finalized some of the groovy details, but here's the thing. I'm going to launch it only to my list and you'll have a special opportunity to work with me at a much more generous rate than when I go public with it. It's basically my life's work, so no biggie, and I'll keep you up to date as I go. So to make sure that you're in the know, please jump on my list. There's a link in the show notes, or you can head on over to my website, ariana.com.au. I can't wait to see you, be with you, hang out with you on the next episode. Bye for now.